Hey, 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 y'all. Welcome to my podcast, Minority Youths on the Italian Small Screen. Last week, we talked about representation. We looked at the implications on race, gender, and other things. I think the most salient information from last week, which is pertinent, especially for today, is the opinions on males and females, specifically that men are more likely to be seen as thugs, baby gangsters, and not deserving to be seen or featured really in society, while females are exoticized or painted to be the victim. Keep this at the top of your mind as we go through this episode and our discussion today. I hope you're ready to learn. This week, We will be talking about a topic I found particularly intriguing, and it's not apparent at first glance when you're watching these television shows, but it becomes an obvious pattern when you look a little closer. The topic I'm talking about is the white savior complex. So basically, the white savior complex is an ideology where white people feel the need to rescue or aid black, indigenous, or people of color, often in the context of humanitarian aid. The underlying ploy here that informs the ideology is that white people are in a superior position where they believe that their beliefs are the best, meaning that their aid is really a way for them to impose their own ideas within these populations. Looking at this definition, then putting this in conversation with how minority characters and their white counterparts interact, it adds a new layer and dimension to what we see in these TV shows. Specifically, when we look at who is actually guiding the narrative of the show or the relationship with the programming, it, I think it is particularly important to consider this in this mediatic expression because whoever is looking at the show or whoever is guiding the narrative is who actually has the power. So let's think about that for a second. In the prior episode, we talked about representation and its impacts on the way we see these minority individuals. These ideas inform the way that we will think about the white savior complex within these shows, particularly in the way that these white characters often serve as guides or, like the name says, saviors towards the goal slash motivation of the minority character. A majority of this white savior complex begins with the demonization of the minority body. You need to create an image of someone who needs saving in order to achieve the delivery of employing a white savior complex within the program. An example of this is by looking at the final moments of Luna Nera, where Ade's sibling saves all the witches, including Ade, and is revealed to be the chosen one. The crux slash goal of the season is to have the chosen one save the witches and bring them a safe haven in turbulent times where witches are being condemned and burned at the stake. Let me give you a picture of why this makes me so angry. The entire series is about, in total, seven hours, and six of those hours are making the writers making us believe that Ade is the special and the chosen one and the true savior for this community. Yet, within the last hour to 30 minutes, this reality is literally ripped from us, and Ade's white sibling, Valente, is actually the savior. This was particularly jarring for me because I thought we would have the rare moment of where a black woman is actually saving people and is the protagonist and the good protagonist leading her own journey, which is something that you don't often see. But like every show that I've almost seen, we see this journey be derailed 
because we are left in the same place where they give us a glorified white light moment where the white sibling, Valente, is floating up to save the day. And I was fuming. This is particularly also emphasized with the editing of the scene. The editing uses chiaroscuro. Chiaroscuro is the use of light and dark lighting within a frame, which in this case is used to juxtapose who is the chosen one and who is the black sheep, or in this particular case, seen as useless. We literally see Valente at a sibling glorified in the final scenes of the episode in a nice bright white light while Are, who had been painted as a savior earlier in the program had been left aside even though she had been the first one to help slash rescue the witches this displays a way that they want us to see minority characters in a particular light compared to their white counterparts i think this editing could mean that they want the minority characters to seem more ominous slash suspicious or out of place. Something that is often seen with female characters is the victimization that occurs surrounding them. Within the final scenes of Luna Nera, Are is seen as an evil person that we should seem as seemingly demonize or maybe pity because she has no one. I think this would be a good moment to pause and gain some clarity on this. In general, however, the media system too often loves to sensationalize, victimize, and create panic about girls and young women, rather than provide accurate information on the barriers that girls face and the opportunities that exist for achieving change. This emphasizes certain profiles of girls while silencing other profiles. I think it's also important to take a look at the victim complex that is often paralleled with female characters. Just a recap on We Are Who We Are. It is a show presented by HBO with two main protagonists, Caitlin and Fraser. Caitlin is also referred to as Harper, but for the sake of simplicity, I will only be referring to them as Caitlin. Both of these people are army brats. When we think about we are who we are, you can see a victim complex incorporated into the caricature of Caitlyn. The show victimizes the fact that they don't have the opportunity to express their gender. The victimization of this situation is further amplified by the opinions of Fraser and his mother Sarah. Both of them believe that Caitlyn should be able to express their gender in whatever form they would like. Don't get me wrong, there is good intentions here, but Fraser and Sarah believe that the best way for Caitlyn to explore their identity is to go about it within the framework that Fraser and Sarah have created for them. This is particularly evident when we look at the scene where Fraser's mother, Sarah, hands Caitlyn a therapy brochure about gender identity. This presents an intriguing situation because Fraser's mother takes it upon herself to discuss how Harper slash Caitlyn is being raised wrong and how Caitlin is a victim because of her backwards parents. This is constantly driven into us as an audience because Sarah believes that Caitlin is being victimized because of their parents. Though at first glance, it might seem innocent and just another person trying to aid a child towards a new path of reflection, it is particularly strategic that we don't get any scenes or interactions where Caitlin deals with their gender expression within their own family unit or with their parents head on. 
Although Caitlin's mother is queer because we see their mother cheating with Sarah's wife, we don't see the family confront the changes that Caitlin makes or their queerness in general. But we are shown scenes where the family has conversations with homophobic undertones. So it's very easy to demonize this Black family in this series because of the heteronormative family structure established for Caitlin's character. So Fraser and his mother are given space to serve as guides slash saviors to guide Caitlin's path of enlightenment in their own wisdom, a classic display or a dead-on definition, in my opinion, of the white savior complex. The relationship between white youth and their minority counterparts presents interactions where the white peer is often in the position of power and superiority over their minority peers, whether it be in knowledge, status, or otherwise. This is further informed by the spaces that these relationships take place in. We always says context matters, so I'm further going to emphasize this in saying that context matters. This is because the way these relationships occupy space changes the power dynamics and the power a minority person could have in certain scenarios. Let's take a look at an example of how minority youth interact with spaces in Turin. I am presenting this example because it clues us into how context matters to relationships youths have with different places slash individuals. Participants also reported feeling a sense of insecurity related to the ever-present possibility of being harassed by adults and police when they are in public spaces. Such harassment was often marked by anti-immigrant and racist sentiments, as the following comment by 17-year-old Lazer makes apparent. So the other day I'm walking with my friends at the park, there's a big car parked, a man and two ladies stand outside of the car drinking and listening to music from the radio. As I pass them, I begin to move because, you know, I can't stand still when I hear music. The man begins to shout at me, come here and dance for us, you monkeys, you usually do from where you came from. This quote is depicting the opinion of a male participant of a study and how he interacts in public spaces in the city of Turin. It is important to look at how the bodies of these minorities are seen in the spaces that they occupy, particularly in the portrayals that we see in every minority character within these shows. They are seen differently by the communities that they are in, something that rings true for both the real-life experiences of these minority youths and the portrayals is the demonization of their bodies, which is another form of which the white savior complex comes into play. When we visit our history books for a second, the demonization of minorities has appeared throughout history with imperialism, religious crusades, and puritanism. There are so many other isms I can say, but for the sake of this, you know, podcast, let me be simple. It often takes a community and then measures it against white beliefs and then White people supposedly make valiant efforts to save these minorities from themselves because they need to be saved from evil or backwards ways, whatever has you in whatever moment and context. So when we have minority youths being characterized as the other or straneri, it makes it easier to depict these youths who need guidance and need a path to goodness within these shows. The importance of guidance is boosted by the demonization because if you can point to something evil and say that it needs fixing, 
it's easier to deliver that plot line. A great example of this is in the beginning scenes of Zero. We see how the police officers characterize the main protagonists. They ask for their papers while simultaneously accusing them of committing acts of vandalism in their own community. The officers condemn the bodies of these minority youths even before they have time to give an explanation. They want us to see that these kids are evil or bad and are in need of guidance to lead them away from a life of crime. In the case of Zero, I think this depiction was done to show the biases of the police, though. But nonetheless, this is not shocking, given what we have learned thus far about how these youths are seen. Thanks for listening to this week's episode about the white savior complex. This was personally one of my favorite topics, so hopefully you thought the same thing. Next, we will analyze whether these representations actually make any difference to these shows. So stay tuned and I'll see you next week. Have a good one.